Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. After all these years and all these questions, can someone just tell me this? Do fish get thirsty? Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, see, sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you uh, pre-recorded 100% because I'm on the road. Uh, yeah, it's actually uh, Monday evening here in uh, lovely Concord, North Carolina. And on tonight's show... Uh, in Pipe Parts, going to talk about Richard Dunhill, who recently passed away. So we'll talk about the uh, the Dunhill family and uh, see the transition there. Uh, my guest is uh, part two of Rich Esserman. Another uh, 30 minutes or so of uh, Rich's uh, stories and questions and answers. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, yes, uh, I'm, I'm on the road. It's a, uh, just a, just a simple business trip up to the home office. And, uh, this time of the year, I always love this time of the year because now we have, uh, both college football and the NFL in full swing. Uh, NASCAR is in, uh, is in its, uh, uh, the, the, uh, what do they call it? The chase yeah, it's in the chase right now, so eliminations every three weeks or so. And uh, for those of us living in the United States, this means that we've got, uh, I believe, uh, from today, six weeks left of this election that seems to have started about three and a half years ago. Yeah, the presidential election is in uh, six weeks, so... Uh, no politics here, but all I can say is that this has been a uh, most entertaining um, cycle of uh, politics and uh, sometimes frightening. And uh, not always, uh, yeah, sometimes when, I, when I've been out of the country, people will ask me, what do I think of what's going on? Is this for real? And yeah, this is our uh, real election process. It's the democratically selected leaders of their party and... Uh, in six weeks, it'll all be over. In the meantime, everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Welcome back. Uh, you know, I also failed to mention that I, the one thing I don't like about this time of the year is uh, all the scary movies. But you'll remember that from years past when I complained about that. All right, so um, Mr. Richard Dunhill passed away on August 26th of 2016. And I just thought I'd read this obituary and then we'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, but this is directly from uh, Alfred Dunhill Limited. And it says, we are very saddened to announce that Mr. Richard Dunhill passed away on the 26th of August, 2016, aged 89, peacefully at home, surrounded by his family. A son of Vernon Dunhill and grandson of Alfred Dunhill, 
Richard was the loving husband to Pat, father to Susan, Christopher, Mark, and Jonathan, grandfather to 13 grandchildren and nine great-grandchildren. Mr. Richard, as he was respectfully addressed by most staff, uh, by most staff, joined the company in March 1948 and was appointed executive director in 1958, full director in 1961, chairman of the group in 1981, then president in 1989. He celebrated 50 years with the company in 1998 and successively became lifelong honorary president. Mr. Richard will be remembered by all those who met him for being an advocate and enthusiastic promoter of pipe smoking and for his boundless love for the product. He was awarded the Pipe Smoker of the Year Award in 2002 by the British Pipe Smokers Council, was past master of the Livery Worshipful Company, of pipe manufacturers and tobacco blenders in 1987 and 88 and graded for many years our top pipes. Over the years, Mr. Richard's lifelong experience in the company, his gentlemanly demeanor and his statesmanlike look made him the ideal global brand ambassador for the brand. There are many unfor- unforgettable occasions, but most notably when he regularly hosted Her Majesty the Queen at the Queen's Polo Cup. His active involvement in the centenary of Alfred Dunhill Limited and his help to compose the centenary book Alfred Dunhill 100 Years or More. Uh, It goes on to say that he uh, had a keen keen sense of humor and uh, in his memory, Alfred Dunhill Limited will make a donation to the Alzheimer's Society. In addition to that, in addition to that, sa- that said pipe will be recreated in a commemorative edition. Uh, there's a reference to a pipe that he broke. Uh, they're going to recreate that pipe in a commemorative edition of 89 units with all proceeds going to the Alzheimer's Society as well. Our heartfelt condolences to the family. Dated uh, the 12th of September 2016 in London. Coincidentally, the day that I was flying through London to change... Uh, to connect there. Anyway, um, I was lucky enough to have met Mr. Richard in uh, 1997 when I worked at the Dunhill store in Las Vegas. He had a granddaughter that lived in Vegas and came out there to spend time with her and uh, be involved in the opening and christening of the store. Uh, To say that he was passionate about pipes is an understatement. I am uh, also lucky enough to have in my collection one pipe that was one of his personal pipes. Uh, to tell you about Mr. Richard, yes, he had some nice pipes, but when he needed a pipe to smoke, and he was a pipe smoker, he would go into the factory and pick out a traditional medium-sized billiard straight that was not up to standard and was not going to be able to be sold, pick that one up, pack it full of tobacco, and uh, start going. Uh, Smoked his pipe all of his life. Now, a little background, and I thought it'd be interesting, is that Alfred Dunhill, who is the founder of the company, uh, founded the company in 1870, or was born in 1872, died in January of 59. However, he, uh, I'm looking through my notes here, Alfred retired from the company in the 1920s and (laughs) kind of ran off. Uh, Anyway, and turned it over to his sons, Alfred and Vernon. And that's where we get uh, Vernon's son, Richard, becomes the third in line. And now is the last one involved in the company. Uh, So you see the transition... The real growth of the Dunhill brand came under Alfred Jr. and under Vernon. And then by the time Mr. Richard came in, it was post-World War II, and they started taking the brand out even further. So that's where you see the growth of it. And then, of course, the company was sold off. Um, One thing that I will say about uh, Mr. Richard is that, yes, he did did like to... uh, 
handpick all the DRs or the dead roots, the ones that you'll see graded with different stars on it or letter grades. That was one of his uh, one of his pride and joys was that he was the one that got to uh, grade those, hand examine each one, make sure that it was up to the dead root standard. So Richard Dunhill, age 89, wonderful guy. Uh, if you ever get a chance, there's a uh, book called Our Family Business by Mary Dunhill, who is uh, Alfred's daughter, who wrote a wonderful book about the uh, family business, so pick that up. All right, in just a minute, pre-recorded the uh, second part of Rich Esserman, so stay with us. This is Internet Radio. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corn Cob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corn cob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And as I promised a couple weeks ago, joining us again is... uh, the world-famous big pipe guy, Rich Esserman, whose biggest pipe will actually hold a half pound of tobacco in one bowl. Uh, maybe maybe not quite a half pound, but Rich, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks. Pleasure being here again. Yeah, so the, the biggest pipe that you have, how many ounces or, or how many grams of tobacco does it take to fill it up? Well, I don't know about ounces, but I mean... It, it's it the, the the biggest pipe that I have is a is a Costello pipe. Uh, it's uh, the bowl is five and a quarter inches high. <laughs> it's about three inches in diameter, and uh, it, it, you know it takes a it, it takes a lot of tobacco to fill it up. Although I don't really fill it up tight because uh, in that type of pipe it's like a chimney. Actually, you know, I bought I did buy one great pipe that I was after for years, and it became available. And it was too big, because I <laughs> used wood matches, and I couldn't get the pipe lit to be to, to light up, believe it or not. It was one of his Castell display pipes. <laughs> you know, it's about five inches tall. Five, inch, five inches across, and it was about 12 inches long, 15 inches long. You know, so even some pipes are too big for me. So wait, that that Costello that you've got that's your biggest is that a three inch wide tobacco chamber or is that the bowl? No, 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 no. Okay. The, the the widest I, I would ever buy, and it's a, it's really wide for, compared to the average pipe is is an inch and a, an inch and a quarter. That's the widest. Once you get by an inch and a quarter, you can't. It, it's impossible to really smoke the pipe right. I know some. Yeah. I remember there was a. Beautiful Sheraton that had like an inch and a half. You couldn't, the guy who bought it actually tried to smoke it. You couldn't smoke it. Yeah, pretty soon you're tamping it with a two by four and trying to light it with a <laughs> with a fireplace. I have, I have uh, <laughs> hey, I use what I use a uh, uh, Tom McCraney who uh, used to own the pipe shop now at Sun Tzu. Yeah, he made some of these tampers from like a uh, aluminum like roof. Uh, a nail or something that's about eight inches long. He yeah. flattened it out, and that's my favorite pipe tamper. Yeah, they they leave them sitting in the uh, uh, they leave them sitting in the bowls of pipe cleaners around the store for everybody to use. <laughs> and we, yeah. we we always tease people that if somebody came in and tried to rob the place, everybody's got this big long nail to, to stab them with. So. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, last time we talked, we didn't get to a couple of questions that I had. The first one that I would love for you to talk us through is, 
uh, you know, what, what was it like walking into the Dunhill store in New York City when it was a full-fledged pipe and tobacco shop as well as men's clothing? Oh, man, that brings back tremendous memories. Uh, you, can't, you can't believe it. It's hard to, it's hard to describe uh, because when I, when I first went down to New York, 1978 is when I went down by myself. I just graduated from, uh, from uh, the college, and, and uh, I decided to be, try to visit different pipe stores. I lived a little bit further upstate New York. When you walked into the Dunhill shop, it used to be on Fifth Avenue, on the corner of 50th Street and Fifth Avenue, and you walked in, and the pipes are in the back of the store. But they weren't, like, off into a little area. They had a whole, like, half of the downstairs store was pipes. Oh. And you walked in, and on the right side were the Dunhills. And on the left side, they had Parkers and Hardcastles and everything else. And so when I first went there, I'll tell you an interesting thing. I walked into the store. I was a young guy. I looked around, and um, the guy... I asked, I'd like to look at a couple of pipes. He looked at me like, what? He, he wouldn't hand me any pipes. I said, no, I'm interested in buying a pipe. He couldn't <laughs> believe it that a guy, that a young guy would want to buy a dungeon. And I actually bought one. But the store was phenomenal because on the walls, they had, let's say, 50 root pipes. Next to that, 50 beers, 50 shells, 50 tan shells. Wow. And the, the, the yeah the the, the uh, Christmas season of 1978 was the greatest ever. In the case, and the, they used to have like a, again you know like uh, if you go into a jewelry store you look down there's a case. In that in that case, so they had all that stuff on the wall. They had a seven day set of Dunhill ODAs in a fitted wood case with gold bands. They had about 20 root briar collectors. They had about 20 or 30 handmade Dunhill straight grains, all in this case. And it was unbelievable. It was one of the greatest, greatest things ever. That, I'll never forget that scene, walking in there when they had everything set up. It was phenomenal. And did they do, uh, did they do a lot of custom blending in the store? Uh, they actually, you could get custom blending. There was, they basically used uh, uh, a lot of Lane's tobaccos in the store. Um, but you could also get, like, a lot of the mine mixtures, which people may have heard about, or sometimes if you go on the, uh, the Pipe Stub website, you can see some of these old blends or stuff for gigantic sums. But, like, yeah. they used to have mine mixture number 10, mine mixture number 27, my mixture 1066, my mixture number one. These are all wonderful English, Virginia. Some had extra Latakia, some didn't. And that's what I used to go in. I used to buy that stuff. That was the greatest. That was just, along with the regular blends, which at the time you, you wouldn't think, you know, you could just go into a store, something that costs 150 bucks now, go in and pay $1.98 for it, and get just great tobacco. Yeah. Uh, what other shops were around in uh, in Manhattan then? Well, I used to drive in Saturday morning and uh, park at the Port Authority and walk up the street. And um, I used to go to, they used to have a, a Peterson import shop, which, which basically had all kinds of different pipes, Peterson's. And then you walk about a half a block up. At one point, it was a Sheraton shop. So you could walk in and see 150, 200 Sheraton pipes in that store. And then later that store became Arnold's Pipe Shop, which is no longer there, yeah. which had just a phenomenal range of pipes. Half a block up on the left, you walk in and you'd say hello to Wally Franks, which is the Halco store. And if you wanted to buy a Costello, which was almost impossible to get, they always carried a few. They carried, they carried Mikolai pipes. They carried all kinds of different pipes. You walk up the street a little bit further, and you, and you saw a, a Wilkie pipe shop. Yeah. <laughs> and you go in there, and they had hundreds and hundreds of pipes, all on stain. And you these... walk up a little further, 
and and all these shops were all staffed by people that knew the inside and outs of all the products. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of knowledgeable pipe. There was a lot of knowledgeable salesmen. So you know, I would go in and you'd ask a question about something, and they would they would have an answer. I remember in in the Wilkie shop in particular, they used to stock a lot of pipes. There was a lot of pipes. Um, and then they would go downstairs to the basement. I remember I used to like a long, long uh, shank Canadian, natural. And they would say, oh, we have more of those. And they'd come back with seven or eight of them and put them on the thing and you get to pick. The one thing I remember about the Wilkie shop, though, is that they had these two huge display pipes in the front of the window. They were phenomenal. They were just phenomenal. And one of them was 1500 bucks. This is back around 1978, 79, which is an immense sum of money. And yeah. Another one was like 750. One day they're gone. They're gone from the window. Of course, I couldn't buy them, but they're gone from the window. I said, "What happened?" Oh, some DJ from one of the radio stations came in, and he said, "Uh, he bought them. He loved them. He bought both of them." <laughs> the next month. The next month, I came back during the window again, and there's smoke. And I said, "Geez, are those for sale?" He said, "You don't want to smoke those pipes." Oh, what no. happened was because they were in the window for so long, they get wood get super dried out, and as soon as he lit them up, they cracked. Ah! Uh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he, uh, being a DJ, he smoked something else besides tobacco in him. Oh, yeah, in those, in those pipes, yeah. And then and then you take a walk over, you walk further, a little further up the street and over, and you go to Nat Sherman's. And Nat Sherman's used to carry more Dunhills than Dunhill. <laughs> and then you walk a few blocks over to the Diamond District, and you go downstairs to the Connoisseur Shop, and they used to have 250, 300 all-natural pipes. And then you walk up the street, go to Dale Kaiser Pipe Shop. So it was a fun, you could spend the whole day going to pipe shops. Man, it was great. I could spend seven, eight hours, and then I'd drive home. Uh, now, how many pipes would you buy on that trip? Well, you shouldn't ask that question. You should ask, how oh. many pipes did I look at? Okay. How many pipes I wish I could buy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, in those days, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money. I'm making a huge amount now, but I mean, I wasn't, I was just starting out. So you'd, you'd have to, I'd save up my money and, you know, you'd, you'd go to different stores and you'd hope and pray that they had something. I remember one time uh, the Sheraton shop got in all these big bents. They were great. They got in big billiards, 42, big billiards, 42s and big bents. And then I went up to Matt Sherman's. And I found the one Dunhill pipe I was looking for, and blew all my money on that. And I couldn't, I couldn't afford to get the other stuff. Oh no! So you know, you get one or two pieces. You know, believe me, I was happy, happy getting one or two. Now, did these stores have a place for you to come in and sit and enjoy a pipe, like you know, like the a lot of the cigar shops have now, or? Were they just small, standard retail spots? No, they, you, uh, they, you couldn't. I mean, a lot of places they were standard retail. But you could smoke in the store. Yeah. I mean, you didn't need a special place to go and sit down. I mean, everybody could smoke at any time. You go into any store, you could smoke your pipe or whatever you wanted. And any time in any store. And the guys behind the counter who were waiting on you were smoking their pipe. And then, if you needed, to, world. if you stopped in the diner for a cup of coffee and a sandwich while you were on your uh, on your pipe buying trip, you just keep smoking your pipe right there at the counter. Oh yeah, yeah, different world entirely. Rich, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll uh, have uh, have more questions and discussions. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, 
Educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting again with Rich Esserman. And Rich spent a lot of time with Tom Dunn and writing for the Ephemeris. And now you can see a lot of his writing in the uh, NASPC Pipe Collector, which if you're not a member, you're a fool. Because uh, I think the electronic membership is like 10 or 12 bucks and it gets emailed to you. Uh, I get the paper copies because I like them because you don't have to plug them in. Uh, but you, in the first time we had you on the show, you talked about quickly how the ephemeris was a natural combination of pipe smoking and literature. Um, what, I, I know a lot of pipe smokers like to read. A lot of pipe smokers like to, um, you know, sit and listen to music, but more, more times than often we hear that, and sitting back with a pipe and a book is just absolutely wonderful. Um, what do you think it is about us that those two things work wonderfully together? Well, you know, I once um, uh, had a, I was interviewed for an article. I forget who who wrote it about, you know, what what does pipes mean to you and pipe smoking and so on. And I And I basically said, you know, when I smoke a pipe... It not only relaxes me, but it really transports me and puts me in a different frame of mind. And then when you get a great book, and you're smoking your pipe, and you're reading your book, and it's phenomenal. To me, there's very few experiences that can match that in terms of just pure enjoyment. And I, I just think it's, I think, you know, if you if you smoke a pipe and you really like it, you have a certain kind of personality because you can't rush smoking a pipe. You know, you have to pack it, you got to light it, you got to tend to it, it may go out, you got to relight it, you know, and so on. And so you have a different outlook on what you're doing as opposed to smoking a cigar, which I'm nothing wrong with smoking a cigar, but you know, you can, you're not, you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're just smoking a cigar. Well, with a yeah. pipe, you got to really sort of, think about what you're doing and you can put it in your mouth you can hold hand hold it and it's a whole different thing have you ever been sitting there reading a book and smoking your pipe and then all of a sudden you realize that you're just kind of smoking your pipe and you really haven't read too much on the page or you've read the same page over again <laughs> well, i don't know about reading the same page over but yeah you know sometimes you get done with a hard day's work and you're just exhausted and you're tired and then you sit down and you and you read it, and you and you're smoking your pipe. You're reading it, and I some some nights I just like this. You know, you you just the pipe is a great pipe. You're looking at the pipe, you're smoking it, you're relaxing, and then all the cares in the world go away. Yeah. And uh, to me, that's that's a great thing about pipe smoking. Yeah, I've also gotten to the point where I was reading the book, and I realized that I kind of stopped puffing on the pipe, and the pipe's gone out, <laughs> and it's gone perfectly cold because I was all involved in the book, or the other things happen where I got more involved in the pipe and I'm just kind of sitting there staring at the page for a while. Uh, well, I like to listen to music too. See, so, so I like to have a little bit of music on while I'm reading my book and smoking my pipe. So all my senses are engaged. Can you actually, can you read a, a book for pleasure without smoking a pipe? Yeah, I mean, I do that. I mean, you know, because unfortunately for me, I have to commute in every day to New York City, so it's not necessarily that my commute is not the worst, folks, but 
but you can't smoke on the train or anything, or I take a ferry, you can't smoke a ferry. So, yeah, I mean, I, and I'll read a book during that time. But I enjoy reading a book and smoking a pipe at the same time. So that's a great thing. Right now, I have to say, I'm, I'm rereading volume one of the Pipe Smokers Ephemeris. Yeah. And I just got done reading about Pipe Lovers Magazine, the original guy, George Cushman, writing in to tell the true history of the magazine. <laughs> and, and what year was the original Pipe Lovers Magazine? I think it was in the 40s. Yeah. You know, he said one day he was sitting across the way from a guy at the desk. They were facing each other, puffing on their pipes. And he says, you know, we don't know very much about pipes, do we? And they said, no, so let's go to the store and buy a pipe magazine. And so they went to the store, and the guy said, a pipe magazine? There's no such thing as a pipe magazine. <laughs> well, there you go. And they started their own, they started the magazine from that. <laughs> uh, in your... Uh in your writings in the NASPC, a lot of what you talk about is uh, what's going on on uh, on eBay and what you've seen on eBay. Uh, do you you remember some of the uh, some of the strangest things you've seen on eBay? Uh, you know, the, one one thing about eBay, I'll just say this in general: the strangest thing. It's hard to say what 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 strange is, but I mean. Uh, you know, the thing about eBay that I, I look every day on eBay, you know why? Because I just like looking at pipes and say, I want to see, for instance, uh, Dunhills. So I'll just begin to paginate through and really begin to see, well, you know, what in this shapes and whatever it is, what pipes are out there? And uh, the same thing with Costello's. I'll take a look, and every now and then you'll see a weird-looking piece you see a, an odd Dunhill like uh, uh, Louise of Hermit Farms uh, had this really interesting uh, Dunhill woman's pipe with a with a non-briar bow in it that's just odd. She collected them. I don't know if she does anymore. You know, weird stuff like that. I find very interesting. But uh, you learn you learn about you know what's commonplace and what's really good just by looking sometimes. Yeah, and, and you might find something on there that you've never seen before, and at least you get a chance to look at it. Yeah, that's true, you know. You, you, because one thing about, I've been doing this, as I say, for over 40 years now, uh, and I'm only 29, so that's odd. But, yeah. you know, the thing is, uh, <laughs> the thing is, you know, you're always, if you say you know everything, you're 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 an idiot because there's always something new that comes out that I I'm, I never knew about. Speaking going back to Ed Lehman from the last show, so you know Ed collected the uh, the red barks for years and he had hundreds of them and he had all weird uh, shapes and every rare shape that you could possibly imagine and and then one day he got a pipe and it came with a little card. It was from, I think, 1987 or 88. And it turns out the last 80 red marks that Dunhill ever made, they they came with a card. And most of them were sold in Germany. <laughs> so here's Ed Lehman, the most knowledgeable guy in the world about red marks, and then he comes across this thing, a new fact that he never even knew about. That's uh, that, that's kind of like me with the with some of the Disney stuff. Every once in a while, something pops up, and it's like, yeah, I didn't know anything about this, and I thought I knew everything. As long as as long as my wife's around, I know everything. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and she, and she'll tell me I know absolutely nothing. Exactly. Uh, do you see? Why could you be any different than anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you see trends in in uh, in pricing on eBay of stuff where yeah something gets hot for a while and the prices go up and then something dis yeah it just cools off? Yeah, no that that's an important point because there is a lot of that going on uh, now in particular. But but you see trends all of a sudden a pipe does get hot and then and then the uh, then the, the price just goes up. Now right now for instance. 
I'm working with a friend of mine who lives in Florida. Who's he has he has quite a few hundred pipes, and he stopped buying pipes uh, for a while. Now he's back into it, and he likes small Costellos now. So now is a perfect time to buy older small Costellos. There's a ton of them. The price range, 150 bucks. You know, maybe maybe a little more, maybe a little less. It's perfect. Now, a few years ago, some of these pipes were selling for 250 or more. Yeah. You know? But I think a lot of times, especially in the higher end, if you get a couple guys who are competing against each other, it drives the market up. Yeah, and, and rarity of stuff will drive the market up. But sometimes I'll I'll skim through eBay and I'll see prices that I think, you know, it, it's just shockingly cheap on some stuff and then you go back six months later and it's back up again yeah no it's it's there's no it's i wouldn't say it's random but you'll see waves like now again we're in a lull and i talked to some of the ebay resellers uh that i know just to get a feel for what they're seeing and they and they'll say that it just, right now prices are pretty low for the average pipe you know when it's something special it doesn't matter what the trend is. If it's something special, a lot of times, you know, prices will remain very high. Do you think prices are low on pipes now because people are stocking up on tobacco? That's a good point. Um, it could possibly be. Uh, because I know a lot of people are buying tobacco right now, given the environment that we see ourselves in. But I also think that a lot of times, you know, something will sell. So let's say a guy comes on eBay, I'm just making this up, and, and they put on a, a load of Costellos and they, and they sell. And all of a sudden, I see different guys that I never saw before or whatever, they come on with Costellos. And then all of a sudden, you got a lot of Costellos, similar stuff, and, and no one's buying, no one's paying the big money for it. I mean, I saw this as a trend, for instance, in Dunhills. Years ago, I brought a, I bought a root briar, a big, a big uh, Group 6 briar, which is a, almost the size of a magnum. And, and I paid $650 for it, new. And then a year later, people were buying the same shape, same size. There was a few that came on. And they paid eight, nine hundred bucks. One guy paid over a thousand dollars for it. Now, why? I don't know. But the thing is, because I was looking at eBay all the time, I saw, hey, wait a minute now. Here's an opportunity because I knew the price compared to where it was is low, so you can scoop in. That's another reason for looking at eBay. Yeah, you can. You you buy you buy off peak and then you sell on peak, and you can uh, make a little bit of money. Well, you try. I mean, I don't, I don't really do it for making the money. Yeah. But what I like to be able to do is to say, if I if there's an opportunity to get a bargain, and it's something that I really want, let's go for it. Um, in all your years of collecting and knowing other collectors, do you have any advice, any comments for the uh, for for the new collector or the seasoned collector? Yeah, I, I do. Thanks for asking that. That's a, a very good question. You know, everybody's different. And I, when I write about big pipes, I remember one guy writing and saying, well, he's trying to convince everybody to buy a big pipe. <laughs> and I said, not really. Because <laughs> then, then every dime won't be able to buy them because there won't be enough. But what I try to do is when I talk to my good friends and I talk, talk to other people, I try to understand what they're interested in. And I try to push them along the lines of what interests them and really sort of flush out what they what they would like. So, for instance, I mean, I've had friends who started to buy big pipes because they got to know me and they, they saw me liking big pipes and they started to buy big pipes and they were too big, whatever. And some guys actually started to enjoy some of the big pipes. <laughs> and it was a change. But, but it was because they began to like it. Not because they were doing it to impress me or, or they were doing it to impress somebody else or whatever. So what I say to people is 
you know, experiment around. But if you really feel, you know, everybody has their own natural inclination toward certain things. And if you and if you have an inclination toward a smaller straight pipe like a billiard, go for it. You know, if you have an inclination to buy like a little bigger bench at a certain period of time in your life, even though you've never smoked them before, try it. Try it. But the thing is, make sure that it's something that you want to do and that you're not just sort of following a pattern or a group or whatever. I, I talked to a guy uh, in my last New York pipe show who has thousands of pipes. And he has many, 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 did I say many? <laughs> High grades. And he told me, right now he's only smoking small billiards. I said, small billiards? What do you mean? He says, right now, all I want to do is smoke small billiards. And that's what I've been doing for the last six months. I said, so what are you doing with your collection? Are you selling off? He said, no, no, no. Eventually, I know I'll go back. <laughs> but right now, right? That's what he said. So, so that's what I tell people. I say, follow your, you know, read as much as you can. Try to learn as much as you can about different brands, different pipes. Talk to people. Read the read the blogs if you can, even though there's not a lot of information on some of them. And then and then and then say to yourself, all right, this is sort of interesting to me. I'm gonna let me pursue it in a reasonable fashion. If you have the income, get a new pipe, a brand new piece in that thing. If you don't have the income and you want to try something, look around, see, try to work with a reputable dealer and get a used piece, and then experiment. And go from there. Uh, one one last quick question for you because you you've sure. mentioned you like Dunhill you like Costello Costello uses acrylic stems Dunhill uses uh, vulcanite stems. Now none of your pipes I would consider or would even imagine that you're kind of clinching. But is, what's the difference for you between the two stem materials and any tricks for taking care of them? Well, yeah. Uh... Let me just say this. Um, I actually like both materials. To me, the shaping of the lip and the end of the stem is important, not so much the material that, they, that they're made out of. I mean, the greatest, the greatest lips that were ever made, I have very fortunate many years ago when the prices were not as phenomenally huge as they are now. I got a couple of bone Nord pipes, and they are just phenomenal, just phenomenal. But then I like big, I like Costellos, and some of them have big, huge, you know, uh, buttons on them. Yeah. So, you know, to me, to me, it's just how it feels in the mouth. I really just, I don't look at it, the design so much as how does it feel. If it fits right in my mouth, whether whatever the material is, it doesn't matter to me. So I'm very lucky in that regard. You know, I'm not really bound to saying, oh, I only like Vulcanite because, you know, at one time... At one time, I only smoked bent pipes because I held everything in my mouth, and and you had to have a certain it had to have a certain balance. Otherwise, you know, even a huge bowl if it was unbalanced, it would bust your jaw. Yeah. So that was critical. That was very important. Now I handhold everything, so it's a little less important. Um, I will say for, for I always say when I get done with a pipe, when I what I my philosophy has always been. The only difference between a new pipe and my smoke pipe is that it's been smoked. I try to maintain my pipes in really good condition if it's possible. If it's a vulcanite stem, I wipe it. Same thing with it. With, even with acrylic stem, I wipe it down. I have a pipe polishing cloth. I wipe all the pipes down. I clean out with a pipe cleaner after every smoke so they don't get, ever get sour. And, and, then, and then with a the vulcanite, what I do is very simple. If the thing becomes a little discolored, I just go and get my Tom's Domain toothpaste or my Colgate whitening toothpaste and, and take a little Q-tip. Q-tips are the greatest invention in the world. <laughs> I take them, I just simply rub the stems, get rid of some of the oxidation, polish them with a cloth, and they're like brand new. So Tom's of Maine or Colgate whitening? Yeah, it's got to have, have silica in it. Got it. All right. Well, there you go. That may be the tip of the year. So uh, we uh, we definitely appreciate that, and I'll be uh, trying that as soon as I can because I got some stems that are uh, tasting like uh, sour apples. 
Uh, Rich, thank you very much again, and uh, I won't subject you to the Fast Five final questions again, so you're you're safe on that one. <laughs> okay. Anyway, really, it's been a great pleasure, and, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed talking with you about pipes, tobaccos, and, you know, people see me at the shows, always can stop up and say hello to me, whatever it is, and, you know, more than willing to answer questions. I'm always willing to open and listen to new pipes. Hear about new different pipes too, so I can learn something. It it is fun watching you get pulled around a pipe show to different things to look at this and look at that and run in circles. So, I I kind of enjoy that when I get a chance to watch you get drug around. <laughs> yeah, it's good though. It's fun. I enjoy it. Rich, thank you again. My pleasure, and I hope to be on the show at some point in the future. You got it. We'll be back in just a minute. Okay. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is molto dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Balto Dolce blend in public. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and I hope you enjoyed all that with Rich. Uh, again, just a you know, just a wealth of knowledge and very approachable. So if you do see him at a pipe show, hey. Stop by and say hi. Uh, try to get yourself to the uh, Newark or the New York Pipe Show in Newark, New Jersey, usually in March. I'm not sure if the date is out yet. All right, for music, it's been a while, and we're going back to the blues with uh, Clarence Gatemouth Brown and a song called, which is uh, perfect for election season here, uh, You Can Disagree. can disagree But please don't hold no grudge You can disagree But please don't hold no grudge Cause if you hate yourself and everybody Then you can't find no place for love You think that only you Know the answer to everything You think that only you, baby Know the answer to everything Whatever anybody say to you It don't mean a doggone thing Thank you. 
Stay mad for the things you don't understand. No, you don't have to stay mad for the things you just don't understand. We was all built out of water. And baby, just a very little sound. Don't, 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 don't hold no grudge. I say, don't, don't, baby. I say, don't hold. Gatemouth Brown, one of the great uh, bluesmen and uh, lifelong pipe smoker. Well, let's see what's in the mail. Not much in the mailbag this week. Uh, I got one comment from AV8 Scuba, and he says, Another fine show, Brian. For those who liked the Jody Davis music, there are ten or so copies on eBay. I just got mine, keep up the good work, and yes, he's right, there's a handful of copies of Jody's uh, solo album up on eBay. Um, If you have any comments, which makes it a whole lot more fun for all of us, please post them on the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. It's free to register and uh, won't hurt your fingers if you uh, post a comment there, I promise. Uh, Coming up... On uh, November 5th and 6th, the West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas, Nevada, the last pipe show of the year. I will be there, and we'll have some specials on tobacco for everybody, so please try to get yourself to Las Vegas. Uh, There's 100 smoking rooms at the hotel, so if you want to book a smoking room, do it quickly. That's uh, highly suggested. And, uh, hey, the rooms aren't that expensive, and it's Las Vegas, so it's always a lot of fun. Uh, Please leave any uh, 
please leave a rating or review on uh, iTunes for us. We would appreciate that. You can also follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook. All right, in just a minute, forum-related rant. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. I wish, I wish, I wish I had more time to read the forums on PipesMagazine.com. I wish I had more time to uh, to do fun things that I want to do and read all the articles and do all that stuff, but I just don't have that much time. I've got a full-time job and I've got a family and I've got a uh, radio show that we do once a week. Um, and then I've got a little Disney passion. But every time I go onto the forums, I, I tend to see stuff in there that are, first of all, repetitive questions, but questions that are answered completely incorrectly. And a lot of them have been things that we've covered here on the Pipes Magazine radio show. For example, I will bring up a point of a uh, forum post from last week that was about the shape names of pipes. And there was information in there on shape names that we had covered in an episode, uh, I believe episode 199, so about 11 or 12 weeks ago, Uh, and uh, just no mention of the fact that it had been covered on the radio show. Also this past week, there was a question about Disneyland pipe tobacco, or Disney pipes, and some of the answers were incorrect, even after somebody was nice enough to relink back to the article that was done on Pipes Magazine about Dis- about Walt and about my collection. Well, here's what I want you to do. Do me a favor. First of all, if you, I, I realize there's not a 100% crossover between forum, uh, be- between uh, forum readers and forum contributors and listeners of this show. But if you hear or see of something that has been covered on the show, please let the forum readers know about it, and please let them know that it's free to listen and promise we won't hurt them all that much by having to listen to an audio show, and they may learn stuff that is, uh, hey, you know, if it's not exactly right, it is at least my own opinion, and I am the leading expert on my own opinion, but... A little crossover would be nice, and uh, you know what? These people might learn something. Um, also, if you're doing a, if you're posting on the forums and you're looking for specific information, you may want to use the search function in there. Uh, and people are still using OTC for mass market pipe tobaccos, which I don't like. But don't get me started on that anyway. All right, uh, welcome to fall and fall weather. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Rich Esserman again for spending all that time with me. And until next time. Who cares who
about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. The world's oldest living freshman and the walking epitome of the decline of modern education.